Psalm 93. I'm so excited um, about tonight, and we are pointing everything that we've been doing towards God, uh, exalting His name. And one way that I see the Lord exalted tonight is the progress in which the teens have come. If you remember the last teen takeover, I'm pretty sure I was the one directing the songs, and now we have somebody else directing the songs. I was like pulling teeth to try to get uh, the guys up here to do a devotional, but this time Ethan and Hudson uh, very quickly said uh, that they would be willing to do a devotional. And so uh, the, the progress on hearing with the ladies singing out more, it's just so exciting to me to see God uh, bringing our teenagers along. Psalm 93, let me read this for, uh, for us tonight. <clears throat> Psalm 93, the Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty, the Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he has girded himself, the world also is established, that it cannot be moved, thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting, the floods have lifted up. O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice, the floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thy house, O Lord, forever. Let's pray and look at this passage. Lord, we ask your blessing once again for the reading and preaching of your word. Meet each person where they need it tonight. May we turn our hearts to you as a supreme king over all. Lord, conquer us. Conquer our hearts this evening. We ask this in your name. Amen. So I believe this psalm is actually pointing to Christ, his future, the millennium reign, where Christ will rule for a thousand years. And it's pointing to what is that going to look like in Christ sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning as the king. We're going to do, I've got about eight points here. They are short, so don't be, okay, we'll start watching the clock. They are short, but eight points here that I want to, let us look at what does this say about Christ as our king, as this leader. Number one, his rule is sure. His rule is sure. We look at the word there, the Lord reigneth. Picture of the millennium, Christ reigning. He's there on the throne. It's not a maybe or a possibility that we think he's there. No, Christ is sitting on the, on the throne. Now, every four years, American, Americans crowd around the TV on election night to see who is going to get into office. Do we not? And usually, this is marked with anxiety. Is my candidate going to get in? Is the other guy going to get in? Who's going to be our future leader? What will this leader be like? Will he live up to the promises that he's made? How is my life going to be different? What policies will he make that changes everything I'm used to? Right, the uncertainty. Who is the next guy going to be? With Christ. We are not uncertain. With Christ, we do not have to wonder, is he going to make it into office? He's going to be on the throne. This is a proclamation of the future. We see in Christ, the Lord reigneth. He's there. It's not optimism. Well, I'm pretty sure he's going to be there. This is a guarantee. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, and he will rule. Two applications for this point. Number one, anticipate the king. Rest sure, in Christ, he is going to reign. Are you looking forward to that? Number two, bow to this king. One day, all will bow to him. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Anticipate this king and bow to him. Number two, his rule is not only sure, his rule is majestic. The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. You know, there's some rulers that we've had that we would prefer to wipe clean from the history books, right? What they've done, their conduct, is anything but worthy of praise, right? Get rid of them. Uh, but there are rulers who we do look back on with respect. In Scripture, we can think of King David, uh, as Americans, we probably think back to George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. We celebrate what they've done in offices. They were good kings. Now, this word uh, majesty here has a root. Uh, the root word is pride. And so we are to look on Christ's rule with pride. His rule is celebrated. Now, when people think about his rule, it's seen in the positive. Not, oh, we need to, sh you know, he's, he's going to be the ruler, but we need to just keep that quiet. No, it's a, it's a positive thing. He is a wonderful ruler. Now we also have the term here, clothed. He's clothed in majesty. What do clothes do? They cover our shameful parts, do they not? The, this evening, I have clothed myself in a nice suit. Now, but what if I walk in here, I've got this nice suit on, but I've got this big hole in the back of my pants. Maybe some of you have been there walking down the street. You've got a hole in your pants. Right? It's shameful. It's embarrassing. Now, in any human ruler that we've had, we look at you know, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, David, Solomon. We look at them with respect. But in a sense, each one of them has a glaring hole in the back of their pants. They have made mistakes in office. They have done things that is not, uh, not completely righteous. And we can look at David. Yes, his rule, he's got a nice suit on his rule. We look at him with respect. But... Uh, it's, we, we think of this, the sin with Bathsheba, the whole situation there. There's an embarrassing part to, to his rule. And any leader that we can ever think of in history has embarrassing, shameful parts to their rule. Now we see here that Christ is clothed fully in majesty. There is not one area of embarrassment. We can't look at him in any light and see anything that says, that was wrong. We need you to you know, publicize this in the media. God is, uh, God's actions are shameful or embarrassing. Investigate as thoroughly as you will. You will find absolutely nothing wrong with the rule of Christ. Two applications on this point. Be proud of the king. Boast in all his ways to those you come in contact with. Number two, do not accuse the king. Every action that he has ever made and will ever make is perfect. Don't charge God with doing wrong. Number three, his rule is strong. 
His rule is strong. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed in majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. There have been some kings who start out well. They get into office, and what they do is, is, uh, is good. But as their rule goes further and further along, they start to taper off. They start out well, but they finish kind of poorly. Uh, think of Saul. At the beginning, he feared the Lord, but later he became prideful. Think of Solomon. He had a wonderful rule, but towards the end, his wives and concubines uh, steered him off course. They began well, but their strength and ruling diminished over time. Uh, when a leader begins to decline, he's getting older in age, he's been in office for a while. Um, think of a CEO. He holds this position for too long. He keeps the company from adapting into the modern, uh, the modern age. Uh, think of a king whose mind begins to fail, and he starts to write laws that are just absurd. As their strength fails, the people suffer. Right? They start well, and they taper off. Now, Christ is king over all creation. And look at this verse again. Uh, he is clothed with strength, wherewith he has girded himself. The world also is established, that it cannot be moved. This verse says that creation is established, it's unmovable. It is Christ's rule that keeps the sun, the moon, the stars in its place. He brings summer, winter, spring, fall. The sun rises and sets as his command. Now, what would be the result if Christ's rule tapers off? He starts slipping in office. What is the effect that it's going to have on us? Right? The moon collides with the, the other planets, inter, uh, collide with each other. I mean, what kind of devastating effects if Christ, his rule starts to taper off? We'd have some major problems. Uh, Christ's strength does not deteriorate over time. Now, we also know that different leaders bring different strengths into office. Some are strong, perhaps, in public speaking, while others have military might. Some are strong in the economy. Others are strong in delegation. Some are strong in foreign policies, while others are environment, uh, into environment conservation. Some have strength in their foresight to perceive problems that might exist. Uh, some have problem-solving strength in the moment. But you know that with every strength in a leader, we have the opposite of weaknesses. They're strong here, but in this other category, there's weakness. They're not so good at, at this other thing. Now here again, we see Christ clothed in strength. He has no weaknesses to his rule. Whatever credentials, characteristics, qualities, abilities are required for you, whatever is required for ruling the universe, Christ fully possesses. You cannot say, well, he's good here, but ah, his rule over here is a little lackluster. Every aspect of his rule is clothed in strength. Uh, one application on this point. Have confidence in the king. He is clothed in strength that will never diminish. Have confidence in the king. Number four, his rule is permanent. Verse two, thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. You know, rulers, they come and go. They have a start and a finish. 
The rulers, they might get into office by uh, different means. Maybe it's by vote, by appointment, some by their descent, uh, and some may throw a military coup and overthrow the government to get themselves in. Rulers might lose their positions by stepping down, they've ended on their term limit, uh, they get voted out, they're impeached, they're overthrown, or they might die. All human leaders have a set beginning and an end date to their leadership. And we see here Christ's rule over creation. Uh, when he began, Christ's rule over creation began when he created it, and he will sit on that throne for all eternity. He will not step down. He does not have term limits. He cannot be voted out, impeached, overthrown, or die. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past through the to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Verse 8 then says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a sepulcher of righteousness is the sepulcher of thy kingdom. His rule is permanent. Now there's some kings, I have to admit, that uh, we would prefer their, their rule to end early. Others, we would wish that their rule would last a little bit longer. If the leader is good, we want him to stay. And if a ruler is bad, let's get him out. But think of being a subject of a tyrant who you're going to be his subject for as long as this guy lives. Right? You'd be in misery for a long time. Right? And we have term limits here, too. Uh, in America, that kind of prevents that, that we have a new guy in. Now, Christ has a permanent rule. You know what? We're not going to wish him away. His rule is not going to be a tyrannical where we just say, let's get rid of this guy. The glory of this king will be a delight to serve. Two applications here under his rule is permanent. Number one, submit to the king. Your attempts to throw off the king will not work. Number two, love the king. Delight in the service of this wonderful king. Number five, his rule is unaltered. His rule is unaltered. Uh, verse three and four talks about water. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of the waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Now, I have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt this week, water is one of the most uncontrollable things on this planet. I'll throw my son under the bus first. All right, Riley, we are, we've given him a, a water bottle that's got a straw, and he's learning how to drink from a, a sippy cup. Now he has, there's, there's two motions, right? Suck up and swallow. He's got the first one, he gets it up into his mouth, but he hasn't got the swallow part. So it comes up and it just drenches him. Right? He's just soaked from head to toe and drinking his sippy cup, right? Controlling that water just kind of goes where it wants to go. All right, now I'll throw myself under the bus. Lene said that uh, anytime I use Riley as an illustration or her, I'm gonna have to pay uh, like 25 cents. So I'm gonna use myself twice so I can get 50 cents. On Thursday, <laughs> on Thursday, we had the Senior Saint um, documentary, and I pr we provided water and lemonade that you know, in the dispensing pitchers. And so the event was over. I was cleaning up. <laughs> I 
I took the lemonade back to the sink to dump it out. Uh, we didn't want to store it. So I dumped it into the sink. You know what? The sink has a, a curve to it. And I dumped it in one side, and it went up the other side and splashed out onto the counter on all, all the dishes that I had just cleaned. All the lemonade, right? Water, liquid, it's unruly. Then on Saturday, yesterday, we were, I was cleaning the church. I just finished mopping. I went to dump the mop water in the, the basin back there. And I put the lip of the, of the cart onto the edge of the sink there, and I lifted it up, and the, the, the cart slipped a little, and I spilled it onto the ground. Right? Water is this unruly material on earth. It's so hard to control. Now, we know the destruction that water can bring. Floods, they can wipe away an entire town. Rivers, you see them erode their banks. Hurricanes bring down buildings. Broken water lines destroy basement. Lots of water is hard to control. I, mean, I can't even control a little thing of lemonade. Think of the oceans, the rivers, the difficulty that mankind has in containing that. Now, as hard as water is to control, hasn't Christ proven without a shadow of a doubt he has control over it? Ethan has referred to this already. But he's made it at creation. He brought a worldwide flood. He parted it at the Red Sea. It was provided from a rock in the wilderness. He caused it to rain. He's prevented rain from coming. He turned it into wine. He's walked on water. He stilled the sea. As hard as it is for us to control water, Christ has perfect rule over it. Now, I don't think that this passage is telling us Christ's impressiveness to contain water. I, well, I think it's there. I think water is more of a, a, a picture that he's wanting to get across. I think Christ is, uh, he's the ability to, unrule the, to rule the unruly water. I believe this is a more picturesque of his steadfast rule over great difficulties. All human leaders have their breaking point. When the waters of difficulty get too high, they break down under the pressure. Uh, not too long ago, uh, I guess not too long ago means a couple years ago, I saw a documentary, uh, a short film on Abraham Lincoln. And during this documentary, they showed a picture uh, side by side, uh, two headshots of, of Lincoln. One was his, when he first got into to presidency, um, what he looked like then, and then right before his death. And the, the contrast there was striking. The aging that had taken place in a short period of time, due to the pressures of the Civil War and leading the nation through this great time of difficulty, there were physical ramifications to that. His wrinkles were pronounced. His eyes were sunken. Uh, they were sunken deep. Right There's this strain and pressure of leadership that took a toll on his life. You know that Christ has no breaking point. No problem can rise too high where he breaks under the pressure. His rule is unaffected by great difficulties. I mean, look at Isaiah 40, 15 to 17. Behold the nations. There's a drop in a bucket. They are counted as small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor beasts thereof sufficient to burn offering. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him as less than nothing in vanity. One application for this. Trust the king. Trust the king. He can handle 
whatever problem arises. Number six, his rule is safe. His rule is safe. Verse five, his testimonies are very sure. New rulers, new kings, they tend to implement new laws and policies and kind of change up the old ones. And you know, when we elect a new president, we are curious, you know, what policies, new laws is he going to try to impose on us? Uh, some policies and laws that are passed are good. We are in favor of them. Uh, they provide helpful things. Uh, they provide law and order to society that allows us to function together uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a well manner. Some policies that are written in are damaging, and to live by them might be unbearable, inappropriate, unreasonable, unfair, contradictory, or just plain dumb. What kind of law does Christ have? It says his testimonies are sure, following his law. It's good and it's right. His ways are the ways of truth. Psalm 119, 1 and 2. Blessed are, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. That path that Christ sets out, his law is perfect. It is the right, decent, righteous path to walk down. Christ our King implements laws, has laws that lead to life and peace. Application. Obey the king. His laws are perfect. They are the path of life. Number, uh, number seven. I think I told you I had eight points. This is my last point, number seven. So you're welcome. See, time cut short. Gotcha. You thought you were going to have longer? Nope. His rule is unmatched. His rule is unmatched. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. When we think about um, American presidents, we have some who stick out among the rest. Right? We've already discussed Washington and Lincoln. When we think of great kings in the Bible, there are some who come to mind, and we've talked about David and Solomon. We could sit around and debate from all the kings of all times. We could pit them against each other. Who is the greatest king of the entire existence of humanity? And we could have discussions on that. Well, I think it's this guy. Ah, I don't know. If you think about it this way, it's this guy. There's debate. We could debate this till uh, the rest of our lives. Who is the greatest? When it comes to Christ, there is no comparison. His rule is holy. Holy has the idea of being set apart. There is a category in which only God fills that, that box. He cannot be rightly compared with anyone else. Christ's rule, it's not a close first, yeah, he's the top dog, but you know, this guy, he comes in close second. There's no competition out there. He is the supreme ruler of all time. Application. Worship the king. Christ's rule is superior to all. Worship him. Let me go over all the bullet points and applications real quick, and we'll close. Number one, his rule is sure. Anticipate this king. Bow to the king. His rule is majestic. Be proud of the king. 
Do not accuse the king. His rule is strong. Have confidence in this king. His rule is permanent. Submit to the king. Love the king. His rule is unaltered. Trust the king. His rule is safe. Obey the king. His rule is unmatched. Worship the king. Let's pray. Father, you are a king above all. We ask that we that you would help us to submit our wills to you. Lord, you are a king whose laws are right and righteous, and it is a pleasure to be in the service of you. Lord, help us to change our minds this week and see you for who you really are, high and lifted up on the throne. Lord, until you come, we are looking for your return. In your name, amen.